I trust you'll give me your undivided attention for the next few moments. I'd like to speak on the subject of what every graduate should know. Hopefully you don't, as a graduate, feel that you know everything. You know, when you finish your course, you, you, if you're not careful, you may take an attitude of, well, I know everything there is to know, so you can't teach me anything, I've already graduated. And I hope that there's no graduates that have that attitude, and I'm sure uh, that they don't. But there are some things that we ought to know as a graduate. If you are a graduate from elementary, high school, college, if you're a mature adult, there are some things you ought to know. There's some things you can know. And the scriptures I have this morning are going to be uh, an introduction to our statements on what you ought to already know. And so please listen carefully to John chapter 7, verse 14 through 18, first of all. John chapter, four, John chapter 7, verse 14. Now about the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? When I gave some of the high school kids their pens, I said, Now, now that you've graduated from high school, you know how to use this. But that's what they were asking about Jesus. How does this man know letters? having never learned. Jesus answered and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his that sent me. If any man will do his will, he shall know of the doctrine, whether it be of God or whether I speak of myself. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. That's as far as we're going to read this morning. But what a passage of scripture that is on the matter of learning and knowing some things because it's possible to go to school and not know what you ought to know. At the same time, it is possible to know these things without having ever gone to the halls of education of mankind. Turn, if you would please now, to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul is writing to a son in the ministry. It was not his son in the flesh, but a son in the ministry. In chapter 6 and verse 18, not necessarily a strange verse, but I think it is something that is very good for our graduates. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Verse 18, they that do good, they that be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate. Have you learned that already? 
Have you learned to communicate? Have you learned even the little kinder, almost every one of them, without any prompting whatsoever, said thank you? Have you learned to communicate? Some people are gray-headed and still they've never learned to say thank you. They've never learned to communicate. Uh, we find here that we should know that. We should do that. Verse 19. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, when you're in your younger age, you should be doing this. You should lay up in store. When you get first married, why almost everything you get, why you have to spend that day. But as soon as you can, you ought to start laying up in store. In fact, you ought to do that before you get married. But spiritually, you lay up for yourselves a good foundation, and Christ is the only foundation. Against that time which will come. Then in verse 20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid or avoiding profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science, falsely so called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now my next scripture is Second Peter chapter 3, verse 1 through 5 hoping that you don't fit into this particular category. Second Timothy or Second Peter chapter three verse one. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Don't forget everything you learn. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, of the commandments of us and the apostles of our Lord Jesus of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers. <clears throat> there are some things that you know, but there will come to you people that will scoff and make you a doubter, walking in their own lust, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. You see, these scoffers are going to come and they say, where is the coming of, where is the promise of his coming? They know about it, don't they? They've heard about it. They've heard how that Jesus is coming back to earth. But they are scoffers. And here the Bible says, for this, they were willingly are ignorant of willingly ignorant of oh I trust that you know some things that you will not be willingly ignorant of shall we pray our father as we hastily go over some of the things that each one of us should know help us dear God that every graduate will know these things not only in their head but in their heart and not only knowing it but they will move their lives upon it for Jesus' sake.
Amen. In Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 15, there's the first thing you ought to know doctrinally. There are a number of things you ought to know doctrinally. And I dare say, if any of you are members of this church, you know this already. You know this already. Even if you're in elementary, you know this. Most of our kindergarten kids know what I am about to ask you if you know. And yet, most or many people in the Philippines do not know this down in their heart. They may know it in their head, but not in their heart. We find in Isaiah chapter 45, verse 15, it says here, Verily thou art a God that hideth thyself, O God of Israel, the Savior. In verse 18, For thus saith the Lord that created thee, God uh, created the heavens, God himself hath formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he hath created it, not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited, I am the Lord, and there is none else. Verse 20, Assemble yourselves together and come, draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of their graven image and pray to a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near, yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from the ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord that there is no God beside me? a just God and a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. Have you learned that there is only one God? And that's not the God of anybody, but it is the God that created the world, the Jehovah God that is named in the Bible. Not that is named out here in the world as some kind of God, but this God is our God. And I trust that you have learned that he is uh, the one God that can save. Doctrinally, you should know that there is one God. Though there are three persons of that God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And that this Jesus is God. In John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, is God, equal with the Father. We should know that. We find not only that, we should recognize that God has created all that there is to be created. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you believe that? You cannot believe that in evolution. There is no way that you can relate evolution to the Creator. I remember one time reading a catechism book from the Savior University in Cagliandro City. And in that catechism book, it was explaining creation. And their explanation of creation was a watered-down 
version of evolution that God created by the means of evolution. That is what they were teaching in the Savior University back in 1966 in Cagayan City. If you believe that, you do not know the God of this Bible because the God of this Bible is the God that created all things by the word of his power. God spoke and the worlds existed. God spoke and he created all that is created. In John chapter 1 and verse 1 it tells us that the word was in the beginning and how that God was the word and how that the word is the creator of all that is in this world and the world itself. And so we find that God created all, and as a graduate, you should know that. How you ever know it, if you don't go to church, because you certainly will not hear that in most schools today. From, from the kindergarten, even the nursery, the kindergarten, and then in the elementary, and then in the high school and college, they are continually uh, brainwashing their students into believing that there is an evolution, there is an evolution. We evoluted, and here is the evidence of a man that lived 10 million years ago uh, when the dinosaurs were crawling around on the world. No, my friend, listen, you better take the word of God and see what the Bible says rather than that. And that brings us to the Bible. What do you know about the Bible? Do you believe that all scripture is given by inspiration of God? That this Bible that we have is the very word of God? This is why it is so important to have a, the right version. The good news for modern man. These new versions that are coming out. They are misleading. They are not according to what the old manuscripts were. And so be sure that you believe that the word is uh, God's word. We find the Bible teaches that man is a sinner. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that God through Christ provided salvation by grace through faith. It is the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. That Jesus established his local church, not a universal church, not a world church, but a local New Testament church. I trust that you know that already, and you may know that Jesus is coming again. And eternity will be spent either in heaven or in hell. One of the two, there is no other place. I trust every one of you graduates know that doctrinally. But it's not enough to know something doctrinally just in the head if you don't personally know it in your heart. Do you know these things experimentally? There's a difference. One of the most dangerous things for our children coming up through our Sunday school is that they know something doctrinally that they have never known experimentally. Now you may 
you may go through nurses school you may graduate and become a registered nurse you may study to be a doctor and become a doctor and even practice medicine and you may know in your head all there is to know about the human body but there is some things you will not know until you get married there's some things you must experience before you know about that particular subject I use that as a, a course illustration of it is possible to have memorized the Word of God to have memorized a good scriptural doctrinal article of faith and yet have absolutely nothing in the heart it is possible to be orthodox in your beliefs and yet be lost and on your way that leads to an everlasting hell the question is do you know Christ as your personal Savior is it real to you do you know the time and the place and you felt the difference there was from the time that you just believed in him in your head and the moment that you received him in your heart my what a difference that will make and then to know his will it is one thing to know that God wants us to be separated from the world that God wants us to talk to other people about Jesus Christ it's one thing to know it in your head it's another thing to surrender it in your heart and say Lord I surrender these worldly things to you what a joy and what a lightness of a burden that comes upon us and then to know his will to to say yes Lord I will teach others I will win others to Jesus Christ what a joy it is to experience not only salvation but experience a surrender to the Lord and then it's one thing to know uh, intelligently from an intellectual standpoint God is able to care God is able to give strength God is able to give comfort I remember years and years ago as a young Christian and, and it came with me for many years when I would perform the ceremonies I'd, per, I'd preach the sermon I'd stand by the, the coffin the corpse of a father or a mother and I would shake the hands of the grieving people and tell them that God understands down in my heart I did not understand you don't know what it is until you lose your mother you don't know what it is until your dad is gone you'll never know the heartache until you experience it you may see the tears you may enter into a sympathy you may you may weep with people but there's something on the inside of you that you don't have that they have I recognize that even before I lost my mom and my dad 
I knew that. I recognized it. That I could not feel what they were feeling. I could not put my hand on their shoulder and say, I know how you feel. Because I knew I didn't know how they felt. I've stood by the coffin side and the bedside of a little child that had gone out into eternity. There would be a mother and a father who are weeping their heart out because of the loss of their baby. I've seen older people standing at the deathbed of their, their son or their daughter. Maybe a young man in their teenage years or maybe just a young married person. And that dear old mother and father is grieving over a child that should have been the one to watch them die rather than they watch them. And I recognize that I don't understand how they feel. I've never lost one of my children. And when I do, I will know how it feels. But until I do, I will never know. There's no way for me to know. There's no way for you to know unless you've lost a child. And this is what I'm talking about, experience. Have you experienced salvation? You may know about it in your head, but do you know it in your heart? Do you know what it is to have your sins gone? Do you know what it is, the joy that grips your soul? The joy that comes down in to know that you're not going to go to hell? Oh, my friend, if you don't know that you're saved, you ought to be saved today. All of the education there is will never help. As the Bible says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of his truth. You know his care. It's one thing to know that God will care for you. It's another thing that when you're in need, when you're in need of help financially, that God will help you. When you suffer, God will give you comfort. When you go through heartaches, God will give you strength. You can feel his presence. And you learn to depend upon him even more. This is what we're talking about, experimental faith. Not just an intellectual faith. Just that this is what the Bible says and I accept it without any feelings whatsoever, but you recognize what you are and you come to God as you are and you kneel before the Lord and you surrender and receive him and God gives you that salvation and then you surrender to his will and then you walk knowing that he careth for you. Oh, my friend, whatever your need is, God is able to provide. As a graduate, we don't expect you to know everything. We hope there are many things you know that you've never experienced. Let me go over that again. We hope that you know a lot more than you have experienced as a young person. In this day and time of education, there certainly is many things that you may know that you have not experienced. Don't let your knowledge 
have you to experiment where that you ought not to experiment. You know what drugs will do. Don't experiment. You've looked around at the families here enough to recognize what sex before marriage will do. Don't experiment. Don't practice what you think you already know. Wait until you get married. This is what I'm talking about. If you're here today and you know that you're a sinner, you know Christ is Savior, but you don't know it experimentally, then today you ought to come and trust the Lord. Don't just experiment. Don't just say, well, I'll try. No, don't try. Trust. God will never save you for trying. God will save you for trusting. Too many people say, well, I'll try the Baptist. I'll try to go to the front. I'll try Jesus. I've been turned on to everything else. I'll turn on to Jesus too. Well, I don't know where they get all that. You don't turn on Jesus. You don't turn on to Jesus. You turn to Jesus. He's the Savior. He's not some buddy-buddy barcado of yours. He's not some onting uh, onting. He's no Santanino. He's not somebody that you can just uh, tell what to do. He's God. And you must recognize the dignity and the sovereignty of God. That God is. And that he expects some things. He insists on some things. And today, my friend, if you know some things that you have not accepted, you've not trusted in concerning your faith, today would be the time to do it. Shall we stand for prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the book, the Word of God, that we can intelligently know what you tell us. And yet, Lord, we know that except the Holy Spirit will convict us and bring us to Christ, we know that our knowledge will do not much good. But Lord, here today are people that have never been saved. Help them to come and be saved this morning. If there are those here that know the Lord as their Savior, that they might come and surrender to do thy will to know that you care for them and you will take care. That all in their lives, if they love thee and are called of thee and have answered thee, that all things that they face in their life will be for their good and, their glo and your glory. Dear God, I pray that you'd bless our graduates. Lord, they face a lot of opposition. They face the world and the devil and their own flesh. I pray that you'd help them to trust in thee, even today, for Jesus' sake. Amen. What page, Brother Jet? Page 82 in your songbook, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, for thee. It's shed for both of us. How about it today? If you're not saved, be saved. If you're a Christian, let God Reach down and touch your heart. Work on you. As this woman came tonight, or this morning, maybe you need to be saved.
Let a person and worker show you how to be saved. If you're a Christian and you've just been floundering around in your Christian life, you can't make up your mind whether to go the way of the world or go the way of God. And you don't have to be young to be in that category. There are old people here today. There are long-time members of our church that have never surrendered themselves to the Lord. Oh, you may have come forward and said yes to the Lord, but then you immediately took it back and went your own way. Today, surrender it to the Lord. As we sing the first stanza, will you come as we sing? Will you let God have his way in your heart and life? Will you say yes to the Lord? How about it today? Oh, Lamb of God, I come. If you've never been saved, would you come and be saved this morning? Would you say yes to the Lord? As we sing the second verse, will you come? Just as I am. Will you come? Will you say yes to the Lord? If you've never been saved, you've heard the message today. Some of you have heard it three times today. Surely by now you know what you ought to do. All is not welcome. Let God have his way in your heart. Would you come? As this one comes, how about you? Would you come? Let's sing one more verse. Will you come? Just as I am. Let God have his way in your heart. We will not tarry too long, but we are giving you the opportunity to come and let God have his way in your heart. Amen. Let God have his way in your heart. Personal workers will deal with people that come. How about it? Since this one come, we're going to sing one more verse. This will be the last, but will you come as we sing? One more verse. Just as I am. If you've never been saved, come and be saved this morning. Maybe this is the first time you've ever come to church in a Baptist church. Perhaps this may be the first time you've ever understood the way of salvation through Jesus Christ. Then come. Maybe you've understood it before, but now you realize even more. Then come. Let God speak to your heart. Oh, Lamb of God, I come. I come. How wonderful for these that have come. Best of my knowledge, each one that came had already professed Christ as Savior, been faithful in attendance most of our services. How wonderful it is to be in, my, in the Lord's house. This afternoon, we have choir practice at 4 o'clock. I couldn't help but notice that we had such a shortage of men and young men in our choir this morning. Our music has been good, but you can't have a good choir unless you have both men and women in the choir. 
We need some mature voices in that choir. We need, we need some men Sunday school teachers also. We sadly need more men that will surrender their lives to the Lord, meet some qualifications to enter into a leadership ministry in our church. Young people departments, the ambassadors is being the advisor is Mrs. Shot. Young people number one, the advisor is Mrs. Spiris. The junior high school department, young people department, the advisor is Mrs. Nava. Does that tell you anything? It tells you that we have a weakness among our men. And you men ought to change the course of that. And no one can do it but you. You say, I'm too busy. No, you're not. You're too selfish. You say, well, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. You're not understanding, or maybe I should say, you're not willing to obey what you do understand. I believe every one of our men would say, yes, we need a man in every one of those departments. We need someone qualified. We need someone talented. And we need somebody dedicated. We need down in the children's department men that will teach. Not just young men, but men with some experience. We need men as well as young men. Young men usually don't have the experience. They have the zeal, but they've not been tested. They've not been tried. They, they, they have a lot yet to learn and a lot more to experience. And their choices may change. We need men. So men in our church, let's see your smiling face tonight at 6 o'clock, okay? 5 o'clock. Let's see him. Thank you, Brother Henry. He says 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock men's prayer meeting. 5 o'clock for the women's meeting. 5 o'clock for the kids and the young people to get together. Let's be here at 5 o'clock. And then at 6 o'clock, I have a very unique sermon to preach to you. Summertime. Summertime. I'm taking the Bible and I'm preaching on the summertime. I'll show you what the Bible talks about summer. And so, you be here tonight. Because just as sure as you're not, you're going to miss what you need. And if you're not here, I know that you need what you need to get tonight. And so be here tonight. Bring a visitor. Bring an unsaved person. It will be an evangelistic uh, message as well as a challenge to each of us as believers. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed... Asking God to bless us and make us, a, uh, make us a blessing one to another. I'd like to ask Brother uh, Raymond Flores, if he would please, to dismiss us in a word of prayer at this time, please. Brother Raymond Flores.